Welcome to Success Secrets, the podcast where we dive into the inspiring stories of individuals who have overcome obstacles and achieved remarkable success in their professional lives. Join us as we sit down with entrepreneurs, executives, and trailblazers from diverse backgrounds who have broken down barriers and shattered glass ceilings. We explore their journeys, strategies, and insights and learn how they've navigated the challenges, persevered through setbacks, and reached their goals. Get ready to be inspired and empowered by the powerful stories of resilience, determination, and discover their secrets to success. We are excited to kick things off with our first ever season called Women in Fintech. In this captivating series, we will uncover the secrets to success from some of the most influential women in the fintech industry. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, where we showcase successful entrepreneurs and business leaders. Today, we are honored to have Kimberly Waldron, an award-winning entrepreneur and advisor, co-founder of fintech PR agency Sky Parlor, and the host of Future of Banking podcast. In addition to her entrepreneurial endeavors, Kimberly is also a mentor at the Rise of by Barclays FinTech program and co-chairs the Manchester Pro Summit uh, FinTech Summit. With her wealth of experience and industry knowledge, Kimberly has earned numerous accolades, including recognition as one of the top 100 women in FinTech by FinTech Magazine, the Innovate Finance Women in FinTech Power List, and a finalist for the Women in Business Awards. We are excited to hear from Kimberly today and learn more about her journey to success. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you for having me and thank you for um, reciprocating and thinking I'm, a, I'm an interesting enough guest to make it in. <laughs> of course you are. Look at you. You're amazing. <laughs> Very kind. <laughs> uh, so, Kimberly, um, let's just jump in. And I just wanted to ask you, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background and how you got interested in the fintech industry? Can it's it's been a long time now. So um, I started back in the day where I was 21, 22, very early 20s. I, my love was music and being sort of in the Manchester scene. And I thought I was going to be a film producer. I was all about the arts um, and working at some full, a full service design agency in Manchester. I wanted to be sort of in with the cool, the cool gang um, in the northern quarter of Manchester, which I really enjoyed and got to work on some some big consumer brands, Lance and Champagne, you know, Empower wow. Energy, uh, Co-op cooperative food uh, and from that um I decided I wanted to take a look at what what it was like in-house really and an opportunity came up to work at a payments business called Payzone in the north of England in a little corner um, of the world called Northwich and Payzone was primarily prepaid card top-ups mobile phone top-ups um also um you know card payments and fortunate enough for me I went in there as a marketing manager and uh, my business my now business partner and business wife Angela Yor, um, was the marketing director at the time and she she recruited me in so that was the start of this this sky parlor journey little did we know at the time um, but but while I was there I was lucky enough um, to be given a few internal promotions um, 
And it was back in 2008-ish when the world was starting to prepare for the, the London Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I was, um, I didn't realise how exciting payments was at that time. Um, but we were going through a process of trying to sign up as many small merchants as possible onto contactless. Um, there was a big drive from Visa to start using contactless on all the transport. Um, at the time, obviously, Oyster Card was, was already uh, fully functioning, but there was a big push to get contactless visa. I don't know if you remember, but all over the city of London. So a yes. lot of work. I was actually lucky enough to be involved in a lot of work um, doing that. Again, at 25, it was a big new, big new world up and down from from the north to London. Um, but that was great, and it got me to sort of start thinking about about the payments world. Um, I was in then. I was in into fintech, um, and Angela and I sort of got found each other again and nearly worked together again um, after we'd both left Payzone at um, a business that was uh, mobile app development um, and was behind like the Right Move app. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a company um, up in Manchester that did that. And we said, actually, um, Angela was the one that came to me and said, oh, I've got an opportunity to to go to freelance um, PR in, in financial services within a payments fraud prevention business. Would you like to, she was kind enough to say, would you like to do it together? Um, I had a little think about it and said, I would, I would, but do you, mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you think there's any chance we could do this as an agency? Um, let's make a thing out of it rather than freelance. And we both agreed we could, and we were given our first break. So we were in then, um, and obviously 2008, 2009, we incorporated, and that was the, uh, obviously another interesting time similar to what we're going through now in financial yeah. services, but it was a full of opportunity and fintech was really starting to emerge. So I believe we were one of maybe only three dedicated agencies in Europe for a long time that that really understood the sort of the ecosystem that we're all part of now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fit, that was that was our journey. And then that's it because I've been in fintech ever since. So <laughs> I spent four years of my career not in fintech or, or payments. And then I was in and, and the last 15 years have been um building building the business and getting to work with some huge, huge brands. Like we went through, we were working with Ingenico at a time when Worldline acquired them. Which is extremely interesting. Uh, obviously, the biggest deal in tech history in France. So, mm-hmm. um, to go through that process and learn about the two brands and integrate that was that was fantastic. And at the other end of the spectrum, working with some very even even as early as pre-seed uh, startups as an advisor, and then when they're ready to sort of take on the PR agency, then they'll come come to us. So yeah, it's been a journey. It's very interesting. Um, obviously, going through, feel like we feel it with our clients a lot go through the regulatory changes, through the competition yes. in the market, through yes. the disasters in the market. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so yes, four years outside of, of FinTech and then the last 15 years at Skypart and developing, developing us into a larger and, and international business alongside Angela. It's amazing. And I remember you mentioning that you started your business pretty young as well, right? How old were you when you started? 26. I wow. Was 26. Wow. And Very old now. <laughs> no, definitely not very. You're very young. Um, so you've obviously been running your business now for how long? Like 16 years? 50, 15. 15 years in next year, yeah. Wow. And yeah, it's. I mean, it's really impressive to see how far you've come and how successful your business is. And you've been through the ins and outs of the industry, the innovation, and obviously it's emerged so rapidly as well. Yeah. Um, and what actually inspired you to start your own business? Did you did you have like did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or? Mm, yeah, I, I think just just one point that both Angela and I um, always discuss is 
we're on the outside. Sometimes it feels because working with, you know, entrepreneurs like yourself and, and other sort of tech founders. And because we don't have tech, but we we see we guess we call ourselves business owners, and it's really nice when somebody says, "No, you are innovative. You are an entrepreneur." It's always nice mm-hmm. to hear it because as mm-hmm. a service based people business, uh, sitting alongside some of the world's most innovative tech businesses, you sort of sometimes feel, "Oh, you know, I've not created that." <laughs> yeah. It is nice to be, you know, to to feel proud. And I think we're just getting to the point now where we are. No, we have created something in, fully independent. We've never taken on any debt, any funding, and it's, mm-hmm. at times it's been difficult, but. Um, we have grown and we've 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 done it sort of sort of ourselves but what what did you was the question what did what motivates you yeah like what um I was asking what inspired you to start your own business like did you yeah did you always knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur since like young yeah yes I think so I think my my dad has had his own businesses since I was young he's had I mean he's a real entrepreneur he's had everything from boat shops Italian restaurants, building companies, um, and he started his last business at um, the age of 60. So oh, wow. um, I've always seen that graph and it's not been an easy ride for him. You know, he hasn't started businesses and then rolled off into the sunset in a, you know, yeah, in a yeah, yeah. or anything. It's been graph for him. But I think that that desire to be independent and create something, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Initially, um, I thought it was, I wanted to create um, um being independent that created fractional marketing opportunities for small businesses um now I don't think that's what I'm I'm glad I haven't done that I think Mm -hmm. there's definitely a role for that and I think that's really really important but what I've learned in the last 15 years is that would have been quite a difficult difficult route you know working by yourself uh, work for multiple different companies so I'm glad we've gone I've gone the route I did but yeah I think that's what inspired me just the need to be sort of independent and yeah yeah not a nine-to-five yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical sense to have more freedom, right? And to yeah. do things your way. That's yeah, because you can work a twenty-three hour day if you like, and yeah. then the next day you can work a two-hour day. And yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. The as long as you know you're getting the value to the, your customers and you're doing what you need to do and supporting the team. And I, th- I think it's good that in the last few years that now isn't you know exclusive to business owners and that those sort of freedoms and flexibility are getting passed down to yeah to teams or passed along to teams yeah definitely and I feel yeah because of COVID I feel like the workplace evolution is really happening and people can now work from home they can have a lot more flexibility um people are not working Friday so there's a lot of companies not working Fridays anymore so for example we finish at lunchtime uh every Friday mm-hmm. which our team love um yeah. But yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, the freedom is probably the best feeling in the world, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, I love that you said that you've been influenced by your dad in the business world. Because um, mm. obviously my family come from an entrepreneurial background as well. So I yeah. always had at the back of my mind that I'm going to have my own business um, mm. because that's what I know. And it seems like that's the same path that you've gone as well. Definitely. And I send them, it's a gripe of my husband because everything that I feel like is a challenge or I want to understand better, I send to my dad. You know, if it's um, a customer, say, or asking for something different, or I always sort of, within confidentiality, obviously, um, Mm -hmm. sort of ask his opinion. And and he's usually right, I have to say, or he gives me the right perspective to be able to handle the situation my own way. so yeah, definitely still in there. He's been re- he's retired now three years ago, but he's still keeping busy. Oh, like would you say weapon. 
<laughs> Would you say he's been like a mentor to you? Oh yeah, yeah. I know. It's, I know when you ask the question, what inspires you? And you say it's your parents, but it is, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true. Both of them in their different ways, but definitely is my yeah, is my mentor, my dad. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. <laughs> and probably because he's so honest, though, and that's probably one of the things that meant that he didn't quite reach the success heights he could, he should have done, or would have mm. liked to. Is he's just he's got very strong principles that he sticks to, and he's not ruthless, and he's very, very honest. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in some fields that that can hold you back in business, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. But he has been successful. Yeah, but the things I admire—they're the things I admire in him. And it's good that he's helping you. Like, it's good that he's giving you good advice as well. Well, I think. I mean, you've been running your business for fifteen years, so you're definitely doing something right, and something you're very right. successful in the fintech industry. So, well, thank you. So, Kimberly, a lot of people think that. PR is basically getting yourself out, uh, doing press releases, getting yourself out in publications. Um, what do you see PR as? Is is there other areas involved as well, um, or is it just that? Yeah, I mean, for sure, they're the the channels, they're the modes of communication, um, and we need them. You know, they're important, and that makes up a lot of the time and a lot of the activities that we undertake for clients. For me, a true um, PR campaign or a PR strategy really starts with um, intent and a purpose. So you need to know why you're doing those things. Why are you speaking on this panel? Why are you championing a diversity? Why are you uh, communicating or saying you're going to be the next Decacorn? What's the the value in it to you and to your audiences? So yes, of course, press. Really, there's only so many ways you can get the message out there. So obviously, multimedia podcasts. Um, videos, LinkedIn lives, roundtables, panels, um, speakers, keynotes, um, all parts of the channels to communicate. But true PR, um, for me, is something that really moves the dial. So if you see somebody, it's a campaign, really. So if you see somebody who's, I mean, you're a great example. Um, Oh, thank you. (laughs) you, Yes, you do your, your PR that benefits your business, improves your public image, but also it will be adding value to you and to the brand of Capitalize because anybody that's looking to invest in you, anybody that's looking to join the team, um, anybody that wants to become a, a customer or is interested in what you're doing, you're an ambassador for that. And you're it's not you're not just talking about this is what we do. You're talking about what you stand for and, mm-hmm. and what you believe in and how you want to move the industry and then the world forward. And I know that sounds mm-hmm. a little bit all hold hands and sing kumbaya, um, but you can do PR activity, which is, yes, press mm-hmm. releases, appearances, um, events, awards. But to do, have a true PR campaign when the world turns their head and looks and says they move the dial, that's about having intent and purpose. And mm. in the fintech industry, there's a lot of opportunity to do that. You know, we're not talking – we're a, with the interchange of value and humans, really, for every industry. We're at that interchange where somebody commits. I'm going to pay for that. Yes, I'm going to pay for that. Yes, I'm going to trust you to have my money. Yes, mm. I'm going to invest something into that and I'm going to transact with you. We're that global intersection. So we've got so many, so much opportunity to be meaningful. So I would say that true PR in fintech is is being meaningful and then doing all the things that back that that up and talking about that. I love that. So being purposeful with your PR and knowing what you stand for, right? What your values are and and going from that. It's, I think, uh, yeah, I completely agree. It's important to also be your authentic self when putting yourself out in the public. 
Um, I think we can all, we're all savvy now, aren't we, when it's people are paying lip service. I think. Yes, yes, we're all, definitely. We're all catching on. So, yeah, you, you can yeah. instantly tell if someone's not being their authentic self. And so, yeah, I think being purposeful and going by what you stand for is really important in, in the PR. And, um, and I completely agree about, yeah, there's so many different areas of, of PR. And uh, for a small business, for example, um, what do you think is then like, for example, if it's a startup business, um, how can they go about getting PR for themselves? Because obviously it can cost a lot of money and some of them see it as a nice to have, not like an essential. Um, what do you say to that? Well, there's some, I guess, really tactical tips and advice for anybody that is is a startup that I could give. In. And then there's also a little bit more, <clears throat> I guess, of a bigger thinking. So on the, on the tactical advice, you have I uh, probably shouldn't say this, but everybody, everybody almost has the same channels as a PR agency has at their disposal now. We're all very digitized. Um, and there are tools that are there for individuals that are not, you know, not ready to invest in the PR agency to help connect them to the media community. So there, there are tools like Journolink, for example, which is a database and it and it helps you find the right journalist to speak to. Um, LinkedIn, again, I'm, I'm mentioning I'm not on any kind of commission with LinkedIn at all. I just genuinely find it such a <laughs> useful tool in my day to day life. It's amazing. I love but it too. <laughs> journalists, um, content bookers, um, show directors, award judges, they're all on LinkedIn. And there's mm. nothing to stop um, an individual forming a relationship, linking in, introducing themselves, being, again, authentic, because the media, whether that be, um, you know, the content team at Money 2020, um, you know, or it, or it be the, you know, the editor of FinTech Times, they're all people too, and they need, they need help. I feel I should have actually just named those people <laughs> rather than referring <laughs> to them in that way. Think, yes, she knows me. Um, but, you know, they, they're people too, and they need help, and they need support, and they're very busy. Um, so I would say first tactical advice would be get yourself connected in the right way. Um, use LinkedIn, use emails, find the right people. Where you see your competitors or where you read content, uh, see content you admire link in with those people introduce yourself um don't just talk about the business don't say we're this we're faster we're quick we're quicker we're trusted yeah. we're secure we're cheaper don't come out with all of the 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 quick the sort pitch. of features yeah yeah don't come out with the pitch talk about why you exist <laughs> why you matter what your plans are um why you think their readers or their audiences might want to listen to what you've got to say um mm. and then second of all there are there are tools mm. out there that you can use as sort of interim before going to an agency what what i would say is um that we, we recently were, were almost working with a, a startup in a payments and i love them such a fantastic brand um but they've decided in the short term they're going to um use <clears throat> a tool until they get past like their seed round, which makes total sense to me. Um, but when I saw it, I almost thought, oh, because you are going to miss out on that strategy, that thinking. And it does then become a, a bit transactional. Yes, we're going to push news out. Okay, will it get into the press? Yes, you'll get a few bits, but you're not doing that purposeful thinking. But they can be great just for starting to get that discoverability. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I'm just turning off the camera because it's uh, cutting off a bit. Can you hear me? Yep, can hear you fine. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, 
Well, that was two yeah, points. I, One, connect. Two, think about the tools you can use. You can always get free um, free trials as well on, on these databases to actually help you reach out. And then third of all, really, it would be to say, think about yourself as a meaningful voice. So think about yourself, not as your head down, trying to raise, trying to recruit, trying to do everything that, you know, early stage entrepreneurs are. Think of yourself as somebody who's interested in position yourself with, I care about this. I talk about this. I have knowledge on that. We're starting to see that more and more, um, but separate yourself from the business as well and think about why mm. you might be interesting. I love that. That's so good. And it's part of that public relations is obviously not just about the business. It's also about what you as an individual stand for and your personal brand, because you as a co-founder or an entrepreneur within the business, you're also carrying that business. And I, and I, I think you probably believe this too, is people... Um, if people like you, they'll trust you. And when they trust you, they'll do business with you. And it's all about yeah, creating that credibility for yourself. And um, yeah, just building the relationships with the right people. And uh, what's the word? Um, Creating your own opportunities. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest compliments I think I ever got was somebody said to me, I don't need PR, but I really want to work with you. We need to find a reason. And I thought, wow, maybe I'm doing an okay job with my personal brand. because. And I think we actually did end up working together, but they weren't on the lookout for PR. But we, you know, they obviously believed in something about me or what I stood yeah. for, that we, we'd found a way to work together, which is great. Oh, I love that. Oh. That's so good. And yeah, that's the power of also building your personal brand. People, whenever they think of PR, for example, they're going to think of Kimberly Waldron because you're all over LinkedIn and you're on lots of fintech publications and you are the go-to person for fintech PR. So um, I think, yeah, (laughs) the power of building your personal brand is just the proof is there. And I guess for me as well, I'm obviously on LinkedIn a lot and I post about um, the things that I stand for and, and I'm connected with a lot of potential clients that I have and when they need me they they reach out to me and and mm-hmm. that's how I manage to create my own opportunities as well and that's also the power of personal branding and I guess public relations as well because they go it hand is. in hand and they are essentially the same thing aren't they yeah well you're an excellent PR person and I know that you, <laughs> I'm sure that you do have you know good people around you as well but it's obviously it's quite a natural natural thing I think just one other point I didn't want to want to miss out um is the the investment angle when it comes to PR because obviously we're in an industry that whether you're just starting out or whether you've been you know 20 years in and you're looking to to grow or even ultimately exit the 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 activity around um whether it's from angels to PE later down the line maybe um it's obviously something really topical at the moment in fintech and something we're dependent on as an industry at the moment and I think that we get a lot of um earlier stage businesses said, oh, we really want to do PR, but I just want to close my seed or I just want to close my series A. And I have, I always say, well, that's a shame because we can probably add value to the business, to the brand. And I think that perhaps people don't realize that that can then help you not only help you raise, but help you raise with the right deal. So if you're mm. building perceived value and you're demonstrating leadership, um, longevity, um, product market fit, you're showing that you've got some either, you know, MRR or ARR and the the, the customers are uh, are coming to you and you, you're, you've perhaps built an advisory board of established people. If you can find a way to get that out, that's not going to just help drive investors, but it's going to help 
close a better deal and put you in a position of strength um, when negotiating what's on the table. And what I'm hearing from a lot of <clears throat> businesses and entrepreneurs I'm lucky enough to be connected to is they're getting the funding opportunities. They're getting, you know, between sort of seed and say, you know, A, maybe at the pre- at present, but they're not getting the terms that they want. So what, what I'm seeing that shift is to the type of deals that are available, not that the the cap that the powder isn't there. You know, the dry powder is. Um, I was had a really interesting meeting yesterday with the um, the UK MD of SVB. I was lucky enough he lives near me, and we had we met oh, for wow. a nice coffee. Richard, nice. very, that's amazing. Um, a, a true gentleman. I've never met him before, but he was a fan, fantastic <laughs> guy and great to speak to. I'm sure we'll see lots more from them. And um, but you know, he I asked his opinion on funding. He said it's there. You know. It's there for the businesses that want it. It's just terms is probably slightly diff- more difficult, and the due diligence is is more um, stringent. Which you know we should all probably see as a good thing, really. But yeah, PR can actually, if you've got a value and IP in your brand and your team and your public image, then that can actually put you in a position of strength. So I just I just did want to make sure I got that across because I do think sometimes it's seen as um, PR. You use PR once you've got the success. Or you use PR mm-hmm. to say when you've achieved, but actually it can help you along that way as well. I love that. So it essentially helps elevate your brand and gives yourself uh, a new competitive angle, especially if you're looking for investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've already got the PR, you've got the personal brand for yourself and the public relations, the investors are probably going to trust you more and um, be more inclined to work with someone like you because they can see that you're already putting in that effort and putting yourself out mm-hmm. there. Is that what you'd say? Exactly. Yeah. And, and name I won't I won't uh, name names because I don't think I can. But again, um, one of the biggest um, moments of a well, moment of pride for me was be having worked with a business since they were just sort of around the million seed seed round mark, um, and they've 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 gone on through their various rounds and succeeded and they actually were kind enough to say because they don't always tell the PR agency um but they they sort of said you know we it was all inbound due to due to the strength of our public image um and actually they had some of the the largest and most respected VCs in the world um turning up on Zoom with their backgrounds all set as this this business's logo and it ended up with you know the VCs truly pitching um, because they of what they'd read, what they'd seen about the business, what they believed to be um, success and value and potential in the business because of what they'd read and what they'd seen about them. So that was a moment of pride that they had these, you know, top VCs on these Zoom calls, all with their background set to the logo, all wow. pitching for their to be, part of their, to be part of their future. And I know things have changed and the industry's in a, in a point of flux, but I still think, you know, the principle's the same. Yeah, definitely. And it, it just shows what you've just said there. There's That's the proof that it works. And it's not just a nice to have. It's yeah. if you want to scale your business to the next level or get funding for yourself, it's it's going to give you a unique and competitive angle against your competition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing. I love I love all those benefits. And hopefully we can, a lot of our listeners can benefit from this as well. Um, so back onto your entrepreneurial journey, Kimberly. Mm. Um, I wanted to know, can you sh- share a time where you faced, like, for example, a significant challenge in your business and how you've overcame it? Hmm. There's a couple. There's some that are ongoing, um, I guess. But Andrew and I have always been very fortunate um, that business... We both have very strong networks and um, 
businesses and people in the, that believe in us. So we've always had business. We've never, you know, had to let anybody go because we lost a client Touchwood, or we've never been one of those agencies that scaled up and down and just used freelancers and survived, you know, um, feast to famine. We, we have always stuck to retain a model, long-term clients, add, add true value. So we're quite lucky in that sense. So we haven't had too many um, major events. You know, you, you, you often hear of entrepreneurs who needed to put everybody's salaries on a credit card in one month because times were bad. So I have to say that we're very, very, consider we've had no investment. And even from the beginning, neither of us um, invested any cash, only time, only our time, you know, for less than our pre- previous salary. So we've never had any like major events in that way or breaches or anything that could have, you know, um, killed us off. What I would say we've had is like quite, that's been the challenge for us is we've had a little bit of a slow learning curve on some elements and almost, um, I would say the things that perhaps held us back a little bit were, um, naivety sometimes around who to to work with and who not to so um probably around six seven years ago we were growing quite a lot we were taking on a lot of business but we got stung because quite a few a significant number of our clients at that time if you have 12 13 clients and two or three that's go do this quite a high percentage um didn't have the funds really secured and we we weren't Mm -hmm. diligent enough with you know our payment terms and perhaps getting businesses to pay up front we took them more at face value than we would now. Now our processes and our our own due diligence is um, a little bit firmer. You know, we're still, you know, within a reasonable framework, but we, you know, we, we're a lot more savvy around who we take on as business. So we, we have in the past been stung and lost, you know, just had to let go, you know, a year's worth of retainer. There's, I think there were, we were in a position where um, businesses that are either being self-funded or early stage and they're not getting the they're not profitable or they don't have any income inbound revenue or very little had some of them perhaps use smaller businesses like ours almost as a credit facility so Mm -hmm. oh yes we'll pay them when we get that in and you go you can start to think oh you know 10 months in and there's been a few chunks of um money that we were owed that 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 we lost um due to businesses folding or um you know being asked to leave the market or for, for whatever reason. So I'd say that um, we we had a little bit of naivety that I think getting to know the space better, getting to know, um, being a bit savvier, a bit of experience and putting better processes in place is helping us to negate now. Um, but that was a challenge because it really knocks your confidence if you spent, you know, a year or 10 months building up a relationship and and doing, you know, your team working hard, getting results and, you know, seeing businesses shout about it publicly. We've done this, we've done that. And you know, you're behind it and then you just never get paid. It's kind of a, mm-hmm. not just a financial um, challenge, but it's a bit, it knocks your confidence. You know, you feel um, definitely taken advantage of and you God, I'm stupid. Yeah. We're stupid because mm-hmm. when you're a small business, you know, you ha- we have always had advisors around us, but not on a daily basis. You know, we don't have a full-time fd or a you know a full legal counsel so you, you you're relying a lot on your own savvy and your own um judgment so there has mm-hmm. i think that's the chat there's been a challenge for both of us has been um just you know heart on your sleeve honesty hard working and thinking everybody has the same principles and they don't so i know that sounds a little bit dark but we're a small business and that has been challenging for us at times um we've overcome it because we have many many more um businesses that have worked with us that you know, respect and, and stick to the agreement and, and have every intention of having a professional and um, upfront relationship. 
And of course, there are some businesses that suffer and struggle um, and they can't do anything about it. You know, it's not the intent. Yeah. But I do believe there are some that set out there thinking, well, we'll use that business and we'll do that and we'll do this. Yeah, and then take advantage. We get there, we'll pay them. But there's no mitigation for if you don't get there. Yeah. You know, and I know and that happens a lot with supporting yeah. businesses like ours. And sadly, there are a lot of businesses out there that do take advantage of small businesses because they feel like they can. And that's mm. that's quite sad as well. Um, so, yes. I mean, it, it's so that, definitely learning. Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, so, that, so that's been a challenge, I guess. But And, and the other one I could I probably, Angela, would agree with is that we have done everything ourselves. So sometimes we see, um, we, we were, you know, and we still are, respected and market leaders in the in the fintech space which we we don't take for granted and we're proud of but we do see sometimes you know other agencies entering the space or other businesses growing quicker because of acquisition or they've brought in um you know funding or they've and we we do sometimes think did we do the right thing going through you know the grind ourselves everything was sort of organic we were quite risk averse we've grown as our client base has grown and as I said you know we've never let anybody go because we've lost work we've been very steady eddy very safe and it stood us in good stead you know we through covid um we did we didn't have to let anybody go we did furlough one or two people um that was the right was a precautionary measure and we obviously were very communicative about that but we've never been feast to famine as I said but um it also we do sometimes think because that held us back from from being a, a bigger a bigger entity you know and growing quicker so that that's mm-hmm. a balance that's the challenge that we we've we've stuck to our I guess stuck to our guns and, and stayed mm-hmm. steady eddy independent and grown organically and um that's made us very safe as a business and very sort of um sturdy but sometimes I think we think oh well, what if we just gone for it and acquired an agency there and branded up yeah. that person in, you know over there but um yeah so not very we're... not too obvious challenges there sorry yeah more day-to-day stuff yeah no I think it's it's good that you what you mentioned is basically being careful on who you work with doing your due diligence beforehand before taking on a new client and I do think that's important because uh I mean we've been stung in the past by clients as well where we just obviously right at the beginning, you're looking to take on every single client because you're looking to grow your business. And as you start growing, then you realize that actually your time is best spent focusing on the ones that you can help and you're going to really be able to help rather than everyone at the same time. So definitely doing your due diligence is super important. Um, mm. And I would I would agree on that. And I don't want to be negative about the fintech industry because it's not it's not always intentional. But I think we are all, you know, there's a lot of eye opening happening in the last four or five years around, you know, some practices that take place. And I think it is um, we, we have been debating uh, between us recently, you know, do we have um, who what types of business do we want to support? Because we are talking about public image and building brands. That's the nature of our business. And, you know, do we make sure that we support the businesses that have the principles that we have, the the ways of being that we have and the values that we stand for, that we try to uphold? So, you know, the fintech industry, I think, is going through that that image crisis a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that we come out of it and it's the businesses that, you know, are diligent, do things properly um, and follow best practice that emerge and also mm-hmm. stand for the right things that emerge in five, ten years time. Definitely, definitely. I completely agree with that. Um, 
And another question I have is, what are some of the biggest barriers that you faced as a female founder in the fintech and in business? Um, and mm-hmm. how have you overcame them? I thought long. I thought a lot about this question. It's probably the one I thought most about when you kindly shared them before today. Um, mm-hmm. Because I would say one of the the two biggest barriers that I've faced. I mean, probably myself. Um, and other women, um, to be honest. And I don't mean that necessarily in a negative way, but I think there's a lot of, it's improving now. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 years ago when I when I was sort of 30 and I was starting to find my feet a bit more, um, it, it's, it was still 10 years ago. That's quite a long time. Things have improved since then. I had a lot of unconscious bias myself. Um, you know, I definitely, and still probably do a little bit, where, you know, Sometimes I'm more comfortable dealing with dealing with men and or, you know, we've had I've had some bad experiences earlier on in my career where, you know, other older women in positions of power had told me, oh, you'll never you'll never do that by that age or you'll never achieve that or or, you know, talk about what you wear or say, you know, if you want to be successful, you need to be a bit more, you know, don't talk like that or you need to mm-hmm. be a bit less girly or you need to you know firm up your the way you speak and and drop the northern accent you know you know I find that other women are the ones that sort of were trying to shape me um, Mm -hmm. or get me to be a certain way so that's perhaps because of their own journeys and the own the negative things that perhaps they've had to overcome and face as well so early on it it was um that um I, I think it was a bit of a period of evolution of um, of of how do we treat women? What do we say? How you know? One of the worst things that ever happened to me was going to going to a. When I think back now, it's quite hilarious that those things still sort of happen. But going to being invited to um, an event for a client um, in Spain that I'd sort of put the strategy behind the entire thing, and it was for the banking community, and it was we were doing a live survey on the day that the CEO of this organization was then going to announce on stage later in the conference. So it was quite, um, yes, it's PR and marketing, but it was quite high pressure because we'd, we had people going around with iPads and we wanted to make this big live announcement about the perceptions around data and banking. And it was, I mean, I wouldn't always say this, but this particular thing was my idea, was my, my, my baby. And it went very well. And in the evening that, you know, a couple of the executive team were sort of snapping at me and asking me to get drinks for um asking me to get drinks and could I get this for for one of this other person and actually I was like okay and and then actually it took for the the MD of the business to step in and say Kimberly's not here for that I took you know this a a gentleman called Steve anonymous Steve to step in and and say that's not why she's here and he took me out of that situation not me oh good for him he was yeah he was the one that that protected me in that whereas I was still feeling oh maybe I shouldn't be here maybe 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 I should get the drinks maybe Mm -hmm. so that's why I say myself because you do worry about how others see you and would they think I should be sat at that table with with the business leaders who all happen to be men or should Mm -hmm. I be the one getting the drinks and you sort of go back to what you think other people want you to do so yeah myself and that's one example of where somebody else took me out of the situation not me um I think, and I think, um, I don't know how to say this because I don't want to say that. I think 
I think other wi- other women not not pushing themselves or not believing in themselves and being in environments where again we've had clients where we've addressed we've got this opportunity we want to put a female forward mm-hmm. um, because we we believe and, and not just because it's a female but because you're good and we and we we actually launched across a big international tech company a drive for female representatives in the press and nobody came forward really nobody what? wanted to do it. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Again, this was about six years ago. So I think things have changed a lot. Um, But I think that um, personally, I've been very, very lucky. And rather than it holding me back in my career as a whole, because I'm in comms and because I'm in PR, I feel like it's kind of okay. People, it's okay Mm -hmm. because you're a woman because women do PR and marketing. Mm -hmm. Where it's a challenge is when you then, actually, I'm not a PR I'm, I'm a business owner I'm a business leader and I deal with CEOs and founders and I talk to them about how to add value and I've got a lot to offer but you're sort of left out of the conversations when they go that far so it's I'm finding it starting to change now and I am being invited to you know join advisory boards and taken seriously but the 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 there was a phase or there's still a mid phase where you're okay to a point and they like you and respect you and think you're fun and like to have you around. But when the serious decisions are being made, I still think that that's where the, the walls come up as somebody mm-hmm. who's still, a, I'm not a young female anymore, but I'm yeah. relatively, um, when, when, you know, those walls do come up when it's about the serious stuff. So mm-hmm. I'd say that has been a challenge breaking through from, um, just being seen as a PR lady to mm-hmm. being seen, um, you know, a serious business player. Mm-hmm. But all of the things that are happening and where um, I know that, so again, some of my clients that are female, serious entrepreneurs, I can name a, f- a few. Somebody I really greatly admire is Lena Hackler, who's the the CEO and founder of Bright Payment. She was oh, responsible. Oh, yes, I know her. She's, uh, are you doing, oh, she's amazing. I love all her incredible. stuff. Yeah, yeah, so we do. We've been working with Lena for two years now. Um, ah. Oh, and, you're and doing really, amazing really... work for her because I see her everywhere. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> well that's us and her. She's very collaborative and she's also very interesting, which makes life easy for PR people when you have inter- when you have interesting interesting clients. Um, yeah, definitely. So you know, but I know that um, there's a bit of pushback from from women like Lena who they sort of want to shake off that women in because they don't want to be feel like they're there just because they are women so they're Mm -hmm. kind of a bit of backlash um but I think and I understand that but I think people do need to think that we're correct correcting such a bias that we do need to stand up and stand out um Mm -hmm. and everything for example this series that you're doing is is part of that um the 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 power list the women in lists yes I understand Mm -hmm. that sometimes and especially men who see women as equal and and don't see it as a problem um can can roll their do a bit of eye rolling but I think it's making starting to really make a difference and I think we need to continue because things are changing yeah and I think so from me, for example, I've worked in, I was working in the city in FX and I was literally the only woman working on a trading floor right at the beginning out of 50 men. And for, for example, when I went to those women in finance awards or women in fintech, uh, women in fintech networking events, I was like, oh, there's actually other women in this industry. And I actually felt really connected and I felt like I belonged. So Having those types of things like networking and award ceremonies, I think 
especially f- because it still is a male-dominated industry, is is quite nice to help feel like women have a belonging here. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I'm, it, it, it's, I remember seeing one of the first women in 100 come out and thinking, there we all are. <laughs> Look at us all yeah. out there doing all that stuff. We're here. Um, we're here. We're leading. We are. Yeah. And, you know, It's nice to be taking ownership of that, but it's still a challenge. I know I'm awful for giving examples and an- sort of anecdotal answers, but um, we're fortunate enough to be involved with a, a brand new um b2b bank uh, banking alternative or a, a financial services player for businesses that we're launching they're based out of manchester um, and we're having an intimate sort of welcome to the manchester scene event next week in the hilton and i was looking at the accepted guest list we're keeping it just to 30 people i think it's about four women oh wow and that is not intentional that is we there has been no thought on that there's been no oh my god correct this yet that is just purely from the people that we know in Manchester that are relevant, would be interested, that are in tech, startup tech, digital. That's all there is. Oh, but my God. Out of how know, many men? It can't be. Well, the yeah. rest are men. Oh, my God. But it's That's not crazy. been intentional. But I, I yeah. actually woke up and said to my husband this morning, I'm very concerned because it's all men. I, said, <laughs> I don't actually know what to do about it because yeah. it just happens so that in this space... <laughs> That I mean, that I know that's very broad because obviously there are more women in finance in Manchester and in. T- but for this particular guest list, um, I'm gonna, I'm not having it. You know, I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna try and balance it up. But it's not, as, yeah. it's just still not as easy. I mean, that's as I said, just an anecdotal example of without thinking, without applying or trying to correct it or applying some kind of balance. That was the way it just came out. Yeah, definitely. So and there's also a thing that men are seen to be more aggressive and put themselves out there more. And this is obviously one of the things that I'm trying to raise more awareness of for women to succeed. They also need to have confidence in themselves, believe in themselves and create their own opportunities. Um, 100%. And that also involves going to the networking events, um, building relationships with the right people. uh, And yeah, that's that's it. Women and imposter syndrome is terrible, isn't it? Apparently. Yeah. Apparently, there's a stat that says, you know, if a man gets offered a job and it's um, then a level above, mm-hmm. he'd accept it, knowing that he would make the best of it and 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 try you just it. Just learn as you go, fake it till you make it. Whereas yeah. the the way a female psyche is more inclined, obviously it's very general, but is more inclined to want to have ticked all the boxes first and not to feel is worried about imposter syndrome where men sort of thrive slightly. Obviously all these stats are general, aren't they? But you can see yeah. a little bit in practice that. It, yeah, it's, it's true. And I've, yeah, I've read those stats that women, women are less likely to apply for a job that has, that they're, they don't tick all the boxes, but men, they just go for it. <laughs> yeah. That's Do quite it. funny. But raising that, that awareness also helps women to realize that actually I should just go for it. And yeah. it helps them, know that that's what that's the case and that's how men do it yeah and we've got some great examples out there haven't we at, at, at the moment people like marion king yeah um, and bojan charlotte crosswell yes you know, real leaders yeah um, in the tech and fintech space yeah i love i love to see it it's amazing great um just a couple more questions here um yeah what's next for sky parlor uh, like for you and your business and what are you most excited about 
I think um, so two years ago, just in the midst of the COVID recovery, we um, split in, well, we didn't split, we're still one business, but we created um, two, two main divisions um, started for sort of seeds, pre-seed to series C and then scale for businesses that are seriously scaling up more enterprise. There's a little bit of crossovers to, you know, in the scale up zone, but um, largely defined as businesses, you know, that are more enterprise and it's worked so well. And we've, We've aligned our business to sort of the life cycle and needs of um, what fintech at, at every stage, whether that's going for funding early stage, whether that's going through M&A um, and, and all the regulatory landscape around that. And I think what is exciting is that we've tested and learned on that for, um, for a couple of years of how to get it right. And what's exciting now is really developing and working to to that that model and making sure that we're feed, you know, we're, we're we're feeding, um, feeding our clients with the right sort of support and backup, um, and growing that and working more in that way. And I think something that we we're really keen on, Angela uh, and myself, is we work with a lot of VCs. You know, everyone from you know Tiger Global and IBP to Creandum in Europe, um, and and many others. And I think a lot moving up that value chain. Um, digital. There was a, a while ago, not too long, where um, digital. Uh, SEO agencies were sort of going to kill off PR um, and we're all, oh no. Mm-hmm. And actually it's not the case. And, you know, digital and, and SEO performance certainly has a very strong role to play um, in the development of a business and customer acquisition, especially in eyeballs. But we're seeing traditional, organic, high quality content, great spokespeople make a comeback. Uh, I think largely because people want to hear interesting things and read interesting things and partly because the algorithms and the AI in Google and other search became so intelligent that it it it, it preferences um, more human, less formulated content. So um, that mm. comeback, that aligned proposition to really sort of support the fintech industry through its transition that we're going through now and then that that real confidence that people are getting back in organic PR, that's what I'm enjoying the most. In terms of uh, as a business, we just we'd like to continue to grow um, and evolve. And as individuals, Angela and I are both um, in a position now where we're lucky enough to be able to take on, you know, a few other projects as well that are sky parlor adjacent, mm-hmm. which is enjoyable after after 15 years. Yeah. Oh, it sounds yeah. so exciting. And I love how you're just continuously growing and innovating and um, finding new angles to grow the business. And yeah, it, it seems like a really exciting time for your business. Well, it's a great place to be, isn't it? There's certainly a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, We can't definitely. say it's boring. We're Netflix documentaries <laughs> and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's, yeah, con- con- constantly innovating. And the area that you're in, PR, is all about knowing what's happening in the industry and yeah it's, an, yeah, it's an exciting area, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, just one quick, very quick point on that is obviously the times of uncertainty and challenging times, I would always urge a business to think about what if something goes wrong? You know, what's your what's your, <clears throat> what's your um, way of being? Should you be challenged in the press or should, you know, should you suffer something that could damage the brand? And we've obviously been through t- some challenging times as an industry and there's been some major events that have been less positive. So a lot of, my savvy clients are thinking about that crisis and disaster aversion as well, because that's the first thing you need to think about when things go wrong, how are you going to communicate about that? So it's important mm-hmm. for the whole industry yeah, as a collective and as, as individuals as well. Yeah, completely agree. Definitely. Um, okay. Just, okay. I've got another, 
Okay. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 20-year-old self if you could? I know it's the, sorry, the sort of the probably a, a real cliche, but honestly, don't sweat the small stuff as much as you think you need to. Something that I've, has made, I hope has made me a better person. And we're working, Andrew and I are working with a fantastic business coach um, at the moment um, called Chris from the Henley Coaching Group. He's incredible. And he's really helped me prioritize my thoughts and the energy that I spend on things. And I would say that if I could say, talk to myself at 20, I would say sleep on it. Mm -hmm. Don't let, don't torture yourself with sort of worry um and just let things play out a little bit be aware and and care don't stop caring and don't stop being detail orientated but just really like little things you know I wasn't copied in on that yeah yeah let it go Um, you know just let it go because if you're really going to be running a business you know you can't do that and really understand that everybody is different and people do not behave in the same way and they don't see things the same so yeah just just don't sweat sweat the small stuff and and also let people be themselves and and you know you be you. it sounds very basic but if i could have known that i would have saved myself and some others around me probably a few awkward conversations yeah. worry late night emails that nobody needs you know you know replying to a a whatsapp when you could be with your family um, yeah. and you could have just left it because you need your energy to drive positive momentum that's so true and i love that piece of advice that's something that i'm going to take with me because there's obviously stuff that i get trickled down on and but yeah. yeah don't sweat the small stuff I always think well I don't always think but this is something that I always hear if, if it's not going to matter in five years time then don't yeah like then don't true. worry about it yeah yeah and I'm not saying don't be detail orientated because I am very detail orientated <laughs> that's but important it is, that's different that's a different thing it's, it's no uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah don't reply to to on whatsapp or on email or just you know if it's unnecessary yeah Okay, cool. And um, I just had one last question, which was, how do you balance the demands of running a successful company with your personal life and self-care? I'd like to say that I had lots of hints and tips for that. Um, One would probably be bleeding over from what I just mentioned is, you know, it's so easy to let um, work and creep into your personal time and as as sort of convoluted as it sounds the people I've had to start really drawing a line at certain times of the day um and just before Christmas this year I was I would get my little boy from nursery and I would sit on the, the floor with him in the lounge and he would watch tv or be drawing or messing around and I would be on my laptop sort of in the side and he started just shutting my laptop <laughs> no working on me shut my laptop oh bless um, him and I really realized that I was having an impact on him so drawing those boundaries and just saying if I can't I can't, I can't answer you know my again something from my dad my dad's always said Kimberly you don't have to reply now you don't have to answer for all they know you're in another meeting or you're driving or you're doing your shopping or you know you're at the dentist people you know don't get too drawn into that instant instant yeah. instant response Inst- use yeah. tools like slack and and teams that help save time but there's a tipping point I think that when these um tools improve your life as to when they start to sort of have the negative effect and nobody can manage that except yourself so that that time management is the biggest thing and then other than that I would just say you know know what you're getting into because sometimes it is impossible to balance it it just Mm -hmm. is so you know we're still in a world of we're in a world of 
self-care and understanding what's good for us and well-being and what's not but we're also in in reality we st- you still need to put the the graft in to achieve you know it's competitive it's hard there's always be someone that can spend 20 hours a day on linkedin um and you can say oh no i could have commented on that so i think draw your own boundaries and try to stick to them and then and also um accept that you are <clears throat> the nature of starting a business with a family or being in a high powered job with a family or a busy mm-hmm. job you know you you are going to have to bear it sometimes yeah. You are going so, to have to bear it. So think who can help around you. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Know what you're getting yourself into. And yeah, not knowing when to also switch off. Like you mentioned, there's no yeah. need to always be replying to your clients. No, draw your boundaries. That I think that's a good thing to mm. say. Like, know, know your boundaries. I mean, a final anecdote for me was that I was supposed to do something um, a week ago, last week, last night, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, on a, on a Thursday, two weeks ago. And I wanted to go down. It was a mentorship. Um, I was. It was with a really great brand in the in in the finance space who we like a lot. And I just couldn't. I was like to my husband, "I'm going to go down. I'll be there. For, I can get there for half ten, and then I'll be back at six to London. And it's you know I'm in the north, but it's not a terrible journey." And he just said, "Why don't you just tell them that you're struggling and see what they say?" I said, "Oh no, I don't want to let them down." And I was really yeah. stressing. And I'd been away to Budapest the week before, away from my little boy for four days with a client. And I just told them, and they said, "Oh yeah, that's fine. We'll we'll do it in June instead." So you put the the pressure yeah. on yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you don't need to all the time. People are understanding, and mm-hmm. and you know they want you to be you, and they want you to have a life. So mm-hmm. it's true. I think sometimes just saying you can't. Yeah. And then people, most of the time they understand anyway. So it's absolutely fine. I did try to tell my family when I was five months pregnant, I said, look, guys, this is going to be a change. You know, I am a business owner and there's, and, and nobody listened, I have to say. <laughs> nobody listened. <laughs> so I think it's, you know, on yourself to to put your boundaries in, ask for help when you need it, say no when you need it. But also sometimes say, look, guys, this is part of me. This is my life. I am a hard worker. And you're going to have to help me, help me as well, because that's, you know, mm-hmm. you're driving, you are also driving your family's life with you, with your hard work, you know, and, and improving it often. So yeah, that's the balance. Communicate maybe. In-house oh. PR, do your own PR at home. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Amazing. So we're just wrapping up now. I just have a couple yep. fun fire questions for you. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite book? so I've got loads because I love reading I would say I have to say my favorite series or my favorite author is David Gemmell I love um, Mm -hmm. heroic fantasy anything with an enchanted axe and I love that (laughs) magical cake helps you to really switch off right helps you to really switch off from work goodies baddies yeah heroes yeah I'm all in yeah amazing David Gemmell and um David Gemmell got it and what's your favorite quote so many uh do not distress yourself with dark imaginings from um, mm. the desiderata by max Ehrman. so oh, i love that um, your own brain is going to be your worst enemy yes yes oh that, that's and a, I, am that's co- a really I am powerful. covered in i am covered in skin from um colorblind by counting crows because i think it really separates the physical from the spiritual mm interesting those are interesting quotes i like them both <laughs> thank you didn't write okay <laughs> <laughs> um so 
That's a wrap for another episode of Success Secrets. I wanted to extend my heartfelt thanks to our incredible guest, Kimberly, for sharing her mm-hmm. journey, insights, and pearls of wisdom with us today. Her story of entrepreneurship and success in the fintech industry is truly inspiring. Thank you for joining us on this journey of uncovering success secrets. And until next time, keep striving for success. This is LaSalle signing off. Mm-hmm.